Hey, so good morning, East Bay Calvary. Hey, see that uh, Tara Lipinski. Do you see the shot on there? I know we've seen it a number of times here. And now that the Hallmark Channel is over with for um, the holidays, <laughs> along comes figure skating, huh? Men, we need to support a, start a support group, I think. And uh, we were watching 20 years since Tara Lipinski won that gold medal. Does it seem like that long ago? Isn't that amazing? Anyways, she won a gold medal, but we have a few things we need to celebrate here today. We just got done with the year end. And here we are on our first Sunday in 2018, and welcome to it. Here's some things we can uh, celebrate together. Our December, just this past December, 2017, folks, was our best December attendance on record since 2010. Isn't that awesome? It is the, yeah. The best single month of attendance of any other month before it preceding 45 months ago. So praise the Lord for that. We for the first time in seven and a half years, actually grew as a ministry, and we grew by 10%. We grew 41.5 people, and whoever that half person is, we're going to be praying for you. <laughs> we really, we want you to be whole. We really do. Um, but that's just a neat thing, and um, I can't believe it. We we came within $900 of reaching our almost three-quarter million dollar budget goal for the year. That's just outstanding. It really is. So praise God. I mean, these are just neat things. And, and it's nice to be able to hit the pause button and look at the year past and just see things that God's doing and, uh, and thank him for it. And really, all the credit goes to him. We're just so grateful for what he has done and how he encourages us with those things. Last week, we had a little um, time for Vision Leak, and we talked about a couple strategic ways that we were thinking about helping us accomplish the mission of God for East Bay Calvary Church, which our mission is more and better disciples. And we had a time at the end for some text message questions. And what great questions we get. And I'll tell you, there was one question, it was so well done, and I really didn't give it the time and opportunity it deserved. And so I wanted to talk about it right off the bat um, in our discussion time. And we may, stress, may have opportunity for a couple text message questions at the end of our time together. We may, no guarantee on that. But, and if we do, do we have a number on that for people to see? If you want to write it down, if a question comes up as we go along, um, text your um, questions to 231-492-5673, 231-492-5673. If you're listening to this online, realize this is a recording on Tuesday. Do not text message your question in at that time. <clears throat> but this is one, if something comes up, um, go ahead and send her in. We may have time for just one or two questions at the end. But here's a question that came up at the end of our time last week, and we really need to talk about it. I thought it was so well done. Whoever did this, a big thank you um, to you. 
Here's what the question was. Um, <clears throat> since EBC Church's gifting is toward kids, it says, so be missional toward kids and have an attractive facility to attract kids and ultimately their parents, right? Here's the big question. So are ultimately we are looking to fortify our EBC church as a refuge people can come to, but how are we branching out rather than looking to pull people in? And that's the question. How are we branching out rather than looking to pull people in? Now, once again, do note our mission. Let's see if we're getting it now. We've, we say it every Sunday. We say it multiple times. Our mission at East Bay Calvary Church is what, folks? It is more and it's more and better disciples. It's the mission that I didn't make it up. It's the one Jesus came up with. In fact, it was his mission. When he came to the earth, he came to seek and save that which was lost. And he worked with a small group of men and encouraged them and then sent them out as disciples to make disciples. And so here we are. 2,000 years later with the identical mission of Jesus for the church. It's more and better disciples. So how are we going to make more and better? And there's two competing philosophies in this. One is, you know what? We just make great programs here. They are so awesome. They are so appealing. And we try to get people to come in and see them. And then we've done evangelism. The other philosophy is, you know what? We are God's program to reach our world, and we need to be out there connecting with those God puts in our path to make more and better disciples. Now, over the last six months that we've been together, the one that I have been stressing and that I believe is thoroughly biblical is we are God's program to reach our world for Jesus Christ. If we have an awesome program that we bring people into, and yet we are not reaching our neighbor, then I'm just going to be open and say, you know what, I think we failed God's mission for the church. Jesus said, you are my witnesses. We're the ones who do this. Go ye into all the world and make disciples. And so here we are. The onus is on us. The burden is on us. In fact, the blessing is on us to be able to connect our world with the one who's changed our life. And so ultimately our desire, our passion is to, as it says, branch out. Our responsibility is to connect with our world. In doing that, we want to have some tools here to help us as we branch out. As our children connect with other children and say, you need to learn about Jesus how about you come to church with me? You know what? When my kids bring some other kids, I want us to have something that is going to connect with them so much at that 1030 hour as they branch out and do the work of evangelism. As you connect with a friend who may be dealing with addictions or counseling needs or marriage problems, you say, you know what? You need Jesus. Come to church with me. And you bring them to church and you're building into their life. I want a resource center that they can go to. And there's some pamphlets and some counseling things that they can connect with, at least to wade into some answers for their life. Because we have folks come here every week looking for answers. Let me tell you what's happened. Those cards that you fill out, some people put prayer requests on them because we ask for those. Let me tell you, we have people come here for the very first time. And on that card, they put down, please pray for my marriage. 
please pray for my children. And, and this is a first-time visitor. So people are coming here looking for answers, and we need to have them for them. And so we're not here to take the place of us doing the work. We're here to enhance and give us tools that when we are doing the work of our mission, we have ways to connect them even better with Jesus Christ. And to talk about this a little bit better, I wanted to give us three phrases. I talked about these three months ago. I wanted to give us three phrases to develop our outreach vision. And so grab your copy of the scriptures, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. We talked about this three months ago, and I will not linger on it as long as I did three months ago. But I wanted to give us three phrases to develop our outreach vision. This is what's at our core. This is what we're continuing to work into our DNA. That outreach is not a program. We are God's program to reach our world. And there's three phrases from this passage that help us develop our vision for connecting with our world and making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and I wanted to... Um, read this together, and I think we have it up on the screen for us. Would you stand with me? And uh, hopefully you can read that well enough up there. We'll read it together. This is a translation we can all uh, connect with. Uh, read it off the screen, if you would, with me. Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to go through chapter 10, verse 1. Let's read together. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest." Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave him authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal. And don't sit down yet. Let's take a moment and pray together. Father, from this passage and from your Holy Spirit, I pray God touch our very heart and soul on the urgent crazy, urgent need to reach our world with Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would give us different eyes to see it and help us to be so missional in our focus, in our ambition, our passion. Continue to do what you've already started to do with us together here at East Bay Calvary. And um, to you goes all the credit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. <clears throat> Before we step into the text, <clears throat> I wanted to mention um, so many of you have been so gracious with us regarding our winter host. These last four weeks, we have hosted um, an orphan girl from Ukraine with us. Her name is Christina. And she absolutely is totally embarrassed right now, is what it is. <clears throat> the other thing is she has loved it here. 
she's not only loved um, mommy and dad and family, she loves Sirkva, which is you. And uh, she loves church. She loves church people. When we were bringing her here, we asked her, <clears throat> um, have you ever been to church? And she said, yes. I said, do you like church? And she said, no. And I thought, oh my. <laughs> Little does she know what she's getting into. And from that first day, which praise God was our kids' Christmas program, all the way through today, she has loved it. She's really enjoyed you. And if she acts shy, just understand this would be a bit overwhelming and she doesn't really understand what you're saying. But she has loved it. She's loved you. And thank you so much for building into her life. We have a lot to pray about um, for God's future with all this. And we just ask that you partner with us in praying. Um, one person asked, why do you do this? We do it for two reasons. Um, number one, we, we, want the, we want these kids to know love. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to know family. So part of it we do for them. Imagine their, their parents have lost their rights for a reason and not a good reason. We want them to know what family, love, and Jesus is all about. And um, just, just a week ago over Google Translate, we had a neat conversation. And, um, and she, she knows in her heart that Jesus died on the cross for her sin. And... Um, and that's, that's awesome. It really is awesome. So that's number one, we do it for her. Number two, we do it, <clears throat> we do it for us. Because we are so stinking spoiled, rotten, complaining over little, tiny, stupid things that mean nothing. And how quickly we get all obsessed that I only have two bars of cell service and I had to wait three minutes in the drive through lane and then here's someone with no family in a boarding school with primitive toilet accessories and opportunities and showers. And we say, you know what? We are really spoiled. And so part of it we do, we do for us and for our kids. And um, when they get upset and frustrated with mom and dad, <clears throat> we tell them, hey, you know, we're not perfect, but you do have a mom and dad. And, um, and God's been good to us. So that's why we do it. Anyways, that's my little commercial. Here we go, Matthew 9. She goes home. This is her last Sunday with us. She goes home this Saturday. And um, I'll be flying with her down to D.C. And then she goes back down and be praying because we'll be wondering what we want to do in the future and all of us be praying with us. And if you want to say hi to her at the end, just do it. Uh, say previet. And um, just don't do it all at once, okay? Be a little, little overwhelming. I want to give you three phrases to help us navigate our outreach vision here at East Bay Calvary. Three phrases from this passage here, and it's a, um, a passage maybe some have heard in the past, with uh, familiar words of Jesus, <clears throat> where he saw this crowd that was there, and he, it says, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and, and you wonder, what crowds did he see? And, and if you look and cross-reference this with the gospel accounts, here's what Jesus saw. He saw criminals. He saw the non-religious. He saw the anti-religious. He saw prostitutes. He saw the promiscuous. He saw sick. He saw homeless. He saw beggars. He saw needy. He saw orphans. He saw all of the 
individuals that had the greatest needs in this community, and he had such a compassionate heart for them. The crazy thing is he saw the same exact people the Pharisees saw. And if you think about it, here's the eyes of Jesus seeing a crowd of needy, and here's the eyes of the Pharisees seeing the crowd of needy, and Jesus had this tremendous urge of compassion. He didn't merely do compassionate things, but he had compassion. You realize the difference. And so Jesus, in his compassion, he felt something toward them, and the Pharisees, in their perspective of them, they felt things toward them, and they were two totally different feelings. The first phrase that, that develops our vision for outreach here at East Bay Calvary is feel compassion, not contempt for those away from God. Feel compassion, not contempt for those away from God. Jesus felt compassion the Pharisees felt contempt. Jesus looked at these individuals with a heart understanding their plight. This is what happens to sheep that go astray. This is what happens to sheep without a shepherd. The Pharisees looked at them and merely saw individuals that validated their own self-righteousness and how good they were. I don't know about you, but there have been times my eyes have not always seen with compassion. In fact, I'm certain there's some thoughts I have had in my many years that I would never want put up on this big screen when I have seen people with problems and needs. And some of the instant phrases that come to my mind when I look at people who've gone through problems and I've seen them, sometimes an instant thought in my head has been something like this. Yep, that's what happens. That's what happens when you get involved in that kind of thing. Or how about this one? I told you so. That's really compassionate, isn't it? Or how about this? Yep, you made your bed, now you got to sleep in it. Or you can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequence. Think about it. If anyone had the right to say, I told you so, if anyone had the right to say that, it would be Jesus, right? I mean, he could say, um, yeah, I told you so. If anyone had the right to say, um, you can choose your sin, but not your consequences. It would be Jesus, and amazingly so. He looked at these people, and from the very core, inwardly, he wept, ached. And his compassion was such that he wanted to do something to relieve their plight, and he did. He went all the way to the cross suffered and bled and died to relieve the plight of those without a shepherd. So the very first phrase to think about in relationship to our outreach vision is feel compassion, not contempt for those far away from God. Here's the second one, okay? Second one, I'm gonna move through these so we can get to some vision time together. Second phrase 
to develop our outreach vision is see those away from God as opportunity, not opposition. See those away from God as opportunity, not opposition. So once again, same crowd, the same crowd, Jesus sees them with his eyes. The Pharisees see them with their eyes and Jesus looks at these people. So go ahead and look at the text and we're gonna see what he calls them. When Jesus sees them, he refers them, verse 37, the crowds, and he calls them harvest. He says, the harvest, those people we are looking at, are harvest. Now, I don't know how you view harvest. I think we see it too often. It doesn't connect with us so much, but you realize in that day, in that agricultural society, Harvest meant value. That was money in the field. That was their livelihood. They had harvest. They had money. Their harvest was bad. They didn't have money. So when they looked at this crowd and Jesus looked at this crowd, he said, look at the value. Look at that harvest. It was something they would have wanted. The Pharisees looked at the same crowd and said, oh, Stay away. Avoid them. Get away from them. These are people you don't want to be around. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's who we want. He looked at them as having tremendous value, ascribed worth. They were opportunity. They were not opposition. And they were all over the place. Now think about it. Is there anyone here who can say, no, I've never had any harvest opportunities with people. I don't know anyone with a need. I mean, really? All of us know some harvest, some valuable people who are opportunities for us to connect with the real answers in life. And I don't know what opportunities surround you, and I don't know how you feel about them, but I know in my mind sometimes my knee-jerk reaction to the harvest is oftentimes to have a judgment label. You ever do this? Maybe you walk through the mall and you see somebody, and I'm not even going to describe them, but you put someone in your mind that you're going to say, boy, they're going nowhere they have problems, they're in a life pattern that is a waste. And what do you think in your mind? I know sometimes I thought some things. Sometimes I think, man, what a, what a loser. Get a life. Or you think, uh, man, what extreme. Or you watch someone on the news who has an alternate political view, and they start saying it, and you're like, what a psycho. Or even forget about all that. What about driving, you know? Realize how many jerks are out there? It could be the one driving mistake they make in their whole life, and what do we do? Jerk. Why don't we say something like, otherwise, good driver that just made one mistake, you know? It's amazing how instantly we, we just throw it out. If we are the ones that make the mistake, 
what are they so, you know, eh, they beat the horn. Oh, come on, really? It's just one mistake, you know. Reminds me of um, Ethel. Ethel called her husband, Henry, on his cell phone. She said, Henry, be careful driving out there. I just heard on the radio some lunatic is driving the wrong way on Interstate 51. There's an idiot out there. Henry said, an idiot? Ethel, there's hundreds of them. <laughs> it's amazing how we instantly look at people and, you know, slap the label, slap the judgment, and with that, it's not merely a name label, it's a value label. It's kind of cool that when Jesus saw the crowd that had needs, the value label he put on them was, look at that harvest. Look at the opportunity. Look at the value. So we see those away from God as opportunity, not opposition. Here's number three. And this is such a cool thing. So Jesus says, you know what? Look at the harvest. Look at those people. Look at the opportunity. He says, you know what we need to do? We need to pray. We need to pray. The Lord of the harvest is going to send out workers into the labor field. And so uh, he says, let's do it. Let's ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into, into his harvest field. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, the Lord of the harvest is Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, ultimately, let's pray. And when you pray, ask me to send out laborers. So guess what he does in chapter 10, verse one? Did a little trickery here, I think. So when Jesus says, I want you to pray to, that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers, guess what he does in chapter 10, verse one? So Jesus called his 12 disciples and said, hey, you've got authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. Here's the names of the, um, those 12 apostles. And then look at verse five, the, the 12 Jesus sent out so Jesus says, you know what? I want us to pray. Let's pray the Lord of harvest will send out people. And then guess what he does? He says, I'm going to send you out. It almost seems underhanded. Like he, he got him, didn't he? And so he wants us to pray. God, send people out. And here's where we come down to the ultimate vision casting moment for our ministry and how we're going to do outreach. When we pray, God, send people into this community. God, send people to my neighbor. God, send people to my coworker. Send people to my relatives. God, send people to that hurting person on the corner. God, send people, please, into this harvest field. Guess who he wants to send? You. And here's the ultimate phrase for us. It's the key point of everything we're talking about. And it's this phrase, I am God's outreach strategy. I am. You are. We are. We're God's outreach strategy. Maybe it's not an accident that you live in your neighborhood. Maybe it's not an accident that you have your family and friends 
around you. Maybe it's not an accident that you work where you work, that you shop where you shop or you golf where you golf. Maybe it's not an accident that you hunt with those guys or swim with those people or vacation with those folks or you fish with these people. Maybe it's not an accident that the harvest is here and wow, so are we. And Jesus says, so I want you to pray. Pray God will send people to them. And then he says, and guess what? You're them. You're them. It's not an accident that the harvest is here and so are we at the very same time. And in asking for harvesters, he's asking us to pray for ourselves. And I just want to demystify this whole concept of outreach with us today. And I want us to do this very simple tool We've talked about this in the past. We're going to continue to talk about it, and it's pi square. We pray. We get in mind, God, I, I want you to use me to reach people, and I want us to think specifically about people. We pray for them. And there are cards on the, the hub in the foyer, these very things. I am God's outreach plan to reach my world, and we pray for people. We invest in them, and chances are they will not like your God unless they like you. And so the reality is we need to invest in their lives. We need to get to know them. We need to love on them. We need to build a relationship with them. We need to invest in, in them. And we may, we may work out with them. We may celebrate birthdays or Christmas parties or Thanksgiving or barbecues or go out with their kids or do games together or movies or recreation. Whatever it is, do life with these people. Invest in them. So we pray for them, we invest in them, and then we invite them. We, we can invite them to Jesus. We can invite them to church. Invite them into our lives. This is a very simple tool that we can do, but whatever it is, it's, um, it needs to be intentional. Here's a stat I want to give you, then I'm going to finish with our vision items. Here's a stat. Uh, catch this. Christ met unbelievers where they were. He met believers in their dark world, or unbelievers. He met unbelievers where they were in their dark world. He realized what many Christians today still are trying to understand. And here's this. According to one count, the Gospels record 132 contacts that Jesus had with people. So 132 contacts Jesus had with people. Of all 132, six were in the temple. Four were in the synagogues, and ready? 122 were out in the mainstream of life. I think he wants us to realize our main outreach strategy is us, and it's out there. It's out there. So as we do God's mission in our world, we invite these people into this body of Christ. Here's some tools for our ministry that will go hand in glove with what you are doing through the week. And so here we go. Um, we talked about these two last week. I'm just gonna give them to you like this and I'm gonna get on to the last three. These are vision items for 2018 that we are excited to work through. So we're talking about a children's 1030 Sunday morning ministry. We have awesome kids things. We have phenomenal kids workers. God has stacked the deck here, folks with some people with a real heart for children and creativity in communicating with them in a beautiful way. And so 
We're talking about at our prime time, which if someone says, you know what, I want to try church, or you're connecting with someone to come with you to church, guess what the main time is that they would come to? When's your morning worship time? 10.30. And guess what? We have the most incredible thing. And you come, and your kids will not let you stay at home next week. Guaranteed. And that's the idea. We want to have something that is a kid magnet that draws and makes more disciples and also has an excellent Bible focus. And when I think about those two things, a kid attractant and an awesome Bible focus, I think of our VBS that we did here this year. It was so incredible. That was a kid magnet and they learned and loved God. That kind of a thing, VBS every week. Now to pull off something like that, we need some help. And we're going to need a director. And so we have announced the opening of a paid, temporary, part-time children's ministry director who is going to do a lot because this is a big deal. And we want to do a test run for four to six weeks. And presumably we're looking right after Easter so we can have the opportunity to promote the most um, attended service typically of our ministry is Easter. Now it might be the children's Christmas program and then Easter. And we want to be able to tell these people about what's coming up. And so, um, and then we are going to need help in a big, big way with people that have a passion to reach the next generation for Jesus. And so um, what we're looking to do is on that card at the bottom of your extended bulletin, if God's tugging on your heart that, you know what, maybe I could be a, maybe I could be a director of this. Maybe that 20 hours a week I, I could put in. Maybe I could assemble something like this and, and assemble people to work along with me. And, and if God's tugging on your heart, go ahead and check that box and give it to the ushers on the way out. Or maybe you're like, I don't think I could direct and I have a job already or I have something else already. But you know what? I, I would love to help. Put me in on the ground level. It's four to six weeks. I want to see if this thing can really make a difference. Count me in those weeks. Either one of those, would you check a box, hand it to the guys in the back, and after that four to six weeks, we are going to evaluate how things are going. And if it's going great, gang, we want to really invest in this. During the summer, even modify our facility and invest some significant funds into this and do a full fall launch. So let's be praying about that. Here's another one we talked about, a ministry resource team, because people that come in want answers. They need answers to life's challenges and ways to grow in their relationship with God. So we talked about this ministry resource team last week. We talked about developing like a mini Christian bookstore in here with worship resources, music we listen to on Sunday, with counseling resources for everything that people may be dealing with in their lives or their family, or maybe you're doing more and better at home and you realize there's someone you're connecting with that's dealing with this issue that's what that resource center is there for. There can be Bible study tools. There's devotional tools. We can have study Bibles. We're going to be doing a series in Esther. Imagine if there's some Bible study tools in Esther that you can go deeper in your study time beyond what we do on Sunday morning. That would be phenomenal. That's what that ministry resource center is all about. We're praying for that. Maybe God can help us launch that mid to late spring. And if you are someone who would love to be on the ground level with that, we need you. 
We need people who are readers. We need people who can do some research on things like that. We need some people maybe who are builders that could say, I could build shelving. I, I could do something. I could build some racks if we could do things like that. We're going to need people who would attend to that resource center on Sunday morning and help with that. So do note that that's something. And if that's you, check the box. Basically, just check all the boxes and hand it in at the end. Okay. Here's number three. Here's number three. Before anyone ever hears this message that I'm giving right now, think about it. Before anyone hears this message, guess what they go through? They come into our church parking lot first or our snow lot, whichever one you want to call it. And by the way, um, can we say praise God for our snow removal crew? Aren't they phenomenal? That is a lot of work, a lot of work, and they do such a great job. Um, but before anyone hears this message, they come to our parking lot, they come to our front door. And how well are they greeted? And we have a pretty big building, folks. Where in the world do they go? And I've got some children. Where do they go? And, and where's the nursery? And this one needs to go to the restroom. And so you realize before someone even comes in here and hears this message of God's word, which is so important, they go through the parking lot. They go through greeters. They need help finding children's things. They need help finding the bathroom. What condition is the bathroom in? And then they come in here, and where do I find a seat? And has someone talked to me? And what's the worship music like? And, and what's the setting like? And you go through all these things before they ever hear God's word, and you realize how important everything else is. And even if things are great right now, Realize that people don't feel welcomed and warm and we decode this for them. Sometimes they will never come back. And so we have had for many years and we are grateful for the people who've served well for years and years and years in a hosting greeting ministry. And we realize we may need to add things to it to really connect with people that we are working with outside in our world. And when they come here, we want them to have the friendliest, the most helpful and encouraging people that they will ever meet at those doors and in the foyer that can say, you've got kids, let me take you to where they are. Or here's our bathroom over here. Or whatever it may be, there needs to be a hosting ministry that is well orchestrated with multiple ages and life situations. And they're at the door. Maybe they're even in the parking lot. Maybe it's raining and we are out there with umbrellas. Or maybe we're assisting some, some individuals who are having trouble walking through the snow or you're concerned about the ice. And, and all of these things, Greeters should be our most knowledgeable, friendliest, helpful people in the entire church. This is so critically important as we connect with our world for Jesus. And it may require, it may require initially a devoted director to help orchestrate all of this. It would be a temporary thing 
You know, this is so important. Even if we had, even if we had to compensate somebody for a month or two to do it, this is how important this is. And, and if, if you're looking at that and saying, you know what, I'm not a kid teacher. Uh, I don't know much about resource teams, but man, can I smile. And I can shake their hand, and I would love to walk with people down to a classroom or take them through this building. That's me. If that's you, we need you, man. We need you desperately. And if you're someone, you're saying, you know what, I'd love to pull something like that together, or I'd love to work with two or three people in a, in a director position on this, we need you so bad. Would you, would you sign up on that card? Just check that and hand that in. This is, um, this is so special. Something that we need you to pray about as well. This is a critical area of our ministry moving forward. Here's a number four. Number four. These are moving quicker than last week. Number four is our elective ministry. Our morning adult education time, we did an experiment this past summer with electives and their content base. We had three different electives. Doesn't matter what age, whatever, you go to that elective class that you really felt connects with you. And let me tell you, they were a smashing success. Because during a time when typically that 9 o'clock hour goes down in attendance because you know it's summer and it's the sun and it's nice and you want to get out, our attendance actually rose during the summer elective months. And so here's, here's what we had talked about as pastors and elders and what we would like to think about for this coming year. We want to shift our adult education during the Sunday school 9 a.m. time over to an elective format rather than our ABF format that we've had. Now, let me just tell you, there's, there's a couple exceptions because we have a couple groups that are rocking it. Let me tell you, you want to know some of the coolest people in our church are older people. They're not only cool, they're half crazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. They are crazy, aren't they? And their 9 a.m., Light Bearers group is, it is off the chain. My parents were visiting from Florida and they came and, um, and they went to that group about a month ago when they were here and they're like, Brian, they are so cool. That is a great group. And you know what? If something's going great, we don't want to end it. And so we don't, keep going. You light bearers group, keep doing what you're doing. In fact, you might even recruit more people in there, but you keep doing it. We're not here to change what you're doing at 9 a.m. And so thankful for you. And there's some other groups that we may keep that are they're smaller, but, but for the collective grouping of us, we're going to be looking to have three, at least three different electives available. And we are looking for potentially a after Easter launch on this too. Pastor Dallas will be heading this up. And these will be encouraging and shifting, and, and you may go to one and go to another one the next, the next time um, that they're available on their rotation. But I think that these will be really special times for you. Content um, groups that will be multi-generational as well for you to be a part of this. Number four. Here's number five. Um, and this one is critical. There's a verse I learned from John 13, and I really believe that this is the hallmark of Christianity. And here's the words of Jesus. I'm just going to give them to you. 
They say more than I could say about anything. Here's what they are. Jesus said to his disciples, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. And you know what his answer was? If you have love, you have love for one another. Jesus said, people are going to know that you follow me if you love each other. And here's the gig. In a, in a group of 450 people, it's kind of hard to express love to each other. The most we do during this hour is when we say, stand up and shake someone's hand. And we didn't even do it this time, did we? Guess no one loves each other here. We need to love each other. It's critical. Not only do we need to love each other, there are some people here that desperately need to be loved. And, and so one way that this happens here that we're trying is through community groups or life groups or small groups. Somehow it doesn't happen. People are going to fall through the cracks of this big room. We need to get people together in living rooms in homes, in restaurants, around a cup of coffee or something where they, where they can love each other. And these aren't mere Bible study groups. There's nothing wrong with Bible study, but you know what? Sometimes we need to study each other and get into each other's lives and really have special relationship. And so we are going to be giving a greater emphasis to our small group ministry as we move into the half of this year and especially to the fall. Our desire would be to have everybody, everybody in a small group. That's how important it is that we love each other. And some of you say, you know what, I came to that church and I was there for three or four weeks and no one ever knew me. Well, you know what, here's the way to do it. Get in a small group, maybe an awkward first date for the first week or two, but then you get to love each other. My small group's going to go to the movies in a couple weeks. So I want you to be thinking about being a part of a small group. Maybe some of you need to think about leading or hosting a small group. Pastor Dallas is going to be leading these things up. And we're going to be um, excited about how this happens. Um, you know what? It's 1149. I'm four minutes over. And I don't even feel guilty. <laughs> um. Did we get a text message? I just want to do one. Did we get any text messages? We did. Past two decades, there has been a plethora. Wow. Someone have... Um... Siri, what is plethora? I know what it is. I watch Wayne's World. Okay. In past two decades, there has been a plethora of standout children's ministries Yet many of those who regularly, who attended regularly are now coming of age and walking away from the Lord. I know. Oh, my. Yeah. Does this kids program address that trend? And if so, how? Oh, my. There's one heartbreak, friends, that I've walked through with so many people. Because when parents just split their heart in half when their kids walk away from Jesus. 
So yes, I mean, that's a short, quick, easy answer. This is why it's a burden on our heart, folks. How many of you trusted Christ 18 years of age or under? 18 or under. Look at that, people. Realize how important it is to connect with our kids. And it's more than moralism. Because oftentimes in, in my grown-up year is behavioralism. I don't care how you are at home or what your heart is. Just don't embarrass me when we go to church, you know, type of a thing. And man, we need to capture kids' hearts for Jesus. They need to love Jesus with all they are. That's the Shema of the Old Testament. The Shema to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the Bible says, tell them, tell them to your kids. Impress them on them. Write them on these phylacteries and bind them on their hands and on their feet. And sometimes you like to bind them around their mouth too. But beyond that, um, they need to love Jesus. This is going to be a part of it. Here's the other thing. Electives are going to be a part of it because we want to, we want to connect with our kids. Ultimately, it's parents. So we're going to be doing some um, electives for parents on how, how to help your kids love Jesus talked about one called iParent. We've talked to, um, where it talks specifically about creating environments where kids love Jesus Christ, creating environments in your home. So these are things, we're, we're getting at that. That's critical. That is really critical. Um, well, I'll take one more, then we'll finish up. What's one more? How will Sunday morning kids ministry affect Awana and Wednesday night program? You know what? Um, I, right now, there's no intention of there being a negative impact um, Awana has been here for, man, we, we have Awana workers that have served for over 30, 35 years. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> and, and, you know, um, the body of Christ existed before Awana. The body of Christ existed before Sunday school. Um, and, and so, you know, with anything, with our ABFs, Body of Christ existed before ABFs, and guess what we're doing with those? If ever there's a point where anything is ineffective, we are not married to a program. A program is a tool. If the tool doesn't work anymore, let's get one that's more effective because ultimately we are married to a mission that Jesus has given us, and that has to happen. But right now, so long as these ministries we have accomplished the mission and are effective, great. As far as I'm concerned, I'm one guy out of, about another 10 in a room with our elders and pastors, but that's my thought. So if it comes back different, you know it wasn't me. <laughs> I'm so good to myself, aren't I? Okay, um, you know what? Um, if there is a one-minute question, do we have one more? If not, we're all done. These have been really good. Is there one more? I like that question. Amen. <laughs> Let's close on that one. Let me show you this one cartoon. I just love this. I get this one cartoon this week, and it just helps us to think about the future and um, how we do need to think. And isn't that a great cartoon? I just, it's one of my favorites. Um, it's the children's ministry. Oh, there it is. Here we go. I'm looking at a black screen. I'm like, that is not funny. Here it is. <clears throat> isn't this a great sermon today? Easy ways to plan ahead. So um, it's just what we want to do. I, I want to be out in front, folks. The mission of God deserves us to be out in front, to be thinking and planning and passionate and praying and working and striving together. 
And so this is what we're all about. We're just, we're going to swing the bat. We're going to swing it, and we're going to swing it as well as we can. And, um, and just pray that God will help us to hit the intended target of our mission and to make it easier for people to climb the ladder with us by keeping the bottom rungs in. And that's how we make more and better disciples. Let's give it a shot this year. Look at that bottom form. I want you to fill out what you believe God may be tugging on your heart for. Hand it to the guys in the back. And we'll be getting in touch with you over the next few weeks as we'll be doing some interviews and connecting with people and all of that. Um, looking forward to this year together, huh? You believe it's 2018? I'm excited. I really am. Let's stand together. Let's pray, and um, God bless you on your week. Pray for safety for you. Next week, I'm excited about this vision stuff. I am even more excited about our series in Esther, Where Are You, God, starting next week. I already have the message done. I can't wait. I can't wait. Father, your blessing has been sensed here at East Bay Calvary we are seeing evidence of you infusing us with mission and passion. And the one thing I love with unity and relationship, you are being so generous with us. And I don't want to be selfish in a wrong motivation, but God, man, please, whatever blessing you want to give, Please give it. Whatever responsibility of people and needs, think of us. God, whatever community concern that we could rise to the occasion of, or neighbor, or friend, or coworker, or relative, whomever, God, whatever harvest opportunity is there, count us in prompt our heart to take that step of faith and love these people. And God, I pray that you grow your church. May those stinking gates of hell not even come close to holding us back. And we'll do it all for your glory and your credit. All of you, Spade Calvary said, amen. God bless you. See you in the back.